Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. Well, of course you are. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the futuristic framer. So, gentlemen, I'm just going to adjust my mic. Uh, how are we? What's everyone up to? Al. Your mic sounds nice. Check one. Check I'll have a bit of two. Um, finally, <laughs> getting through fucking work. Um, yeah. Until so, uh, Friday, which was a bank holiday, um, which probably means nothing to a lot of people at the moment, but to me, it was fucking heaven because it, I have been at work. Um, and it was just, yeah, getting to that was a big fucking milestone because we had a load of shitload of work for clients to do, like a lot of deadlines before Easter. Um, largely due to financial year ends and things like that. It's like, it's so bizarre seeing all the, the weird things in the world, but then some of the world is still ticking over and some mm, of the, yeah. some of the things still don't change. It's like, um, yeah, the gym has kindly like, uh, you know, put your membership payments on hold, but everything else is still fucking going ahead. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, getting to Friday was just an absolute godsend. And um, since then I've just been playing catch up, doing a lot of fucking Eating, sleeping, cooking, cleaning, <laughs> baking. Um, uh, today, I just started started um, doing some designs for Al uh, for the Forge. Yeah. Because obviously, with the Forge shut down, um, a lot of that income's gone away. So, just finding ways that makers can kind of keep on making a living, whether that's through merchandise or other means. Um, so, yeah. I think t shirts and designs, stuff like that, is a really good way to help. Um, so, if anyone's got the ability to do that, now's the time. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, done some done some little things for that. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. Cool. That that ended much more suddenly than I was expecting. Well, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cracking on. Trying to turn on my lamp. Uh, <laughs> Brett, what about you? What have you been up to? Uh, I have been well immersed in the lockdown throwdown <laughs> and. Oh yeah, it, no not bollocks. No, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, the first that was Darn right, you did. That. Thanks, Brett. I totally forgot. Um, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've um, obviously been being at work, um, of getting a lot of envy of things like uh, Jim Parkins, like uh, community yeah. playtime. Oh my god! Yeah, free. <laughs> um, I've been seeing Tim and his his magnificent um, lockdown throwdown challenges every day, and being very jealous. I've not been able to do them. Um, so Friday was the first day I was able to do it, um, and it was coffee. So I did John coffee from uh, the Green Mile. As yes, sir. Yes, only as yes, a boss. Um, yeah, and it was thoroughly enjoyable. And like Brett, it was a kind of renaissance of, of sketching and illustrating and just getting back those those kind of creative juices flowing again. It was really nice to crack out the um, the tablet because that's been a while since I've used that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was since the, the treasure trade. <laughs> I was well happy well happy to see that come out. Like, ah. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was really fun. It, not just fun to do it, but fun to kind of join in as well. I've been getting a bit of kind of envy sitting Seeing at work, seeing everyone do all this cool shit, and then um, just getting a chance to actually join in some of the the more fun side of lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's been you know it was obviously uh, influential in me putting out the video yesterday. Mm. Um, that was a you know silly little project my mom used to do with me when I was a child to keep me busy, or at least you know when I got older, I realized that she was just trying to get me to be quiet and leave her alone for a couple hours. Um, but that's the first time I've really had to sit down and done some kooky little drawing project. And I figured, you know, why not put a video together? Because I do think it's a, uh, 
beneficial and valuable way of kind of stretching your creative muscles. Yeah. And I didn't say in the video, but um, just for anybody listening, the reason, one of the main reasons I see it as so valuable is like somebody that's able to go into a flea market or, or, you know, a secondhand shop and find some pre-existing piece of crap furniture that's missing a few parts or, you know, maybe made out of good materials, but looks like garbage. Um, in my mind, it's not too far removed that you're able to look at a few marks on a page and then create something out of it. Yeah. And also walk into, you know, a thrift shop and pick up an old piece of metal or an old piece of furniture and expand it or change it into something completely different. It's yeah. it's not the question of like, I need to make this chest of drawers into a better chest of drawers. It's like, no, that's just a bunch of lumber and they want $10 for it. Just go break it apart and then build a chair out of it. Who knows? Maybe it comes, it becomes something completely different. Yeah. No, that's um, a really nice way of putting it. Cause there's, there's so many people that, that do just that. And there's, uh, there's so many times that I've seen stuff that people have built where I'm like, how the fuck did you get a, a, a random piece of junk and then build this entire thing around that like what how did you see that when you brought it like yeah the it, al al's trampoline moon bench thing like yeah what most <laughs> most people that are used to just going like a one-to-one -one association between material and and product even if it's something like drawing like i have a pencil and a piece of paper well i guess this is going to be a black and white drawing of whatever like yeah. Once you're able to actually develop those skills of looking outside of that or, or expanding outward, like, I think it's a super valuable skill. And I don't think a lot of people get get that test, you know, like yeah. how are you able to exercise creative muscles when you're not, you know, so many people in the comment section be like, I can't even draw a stick figure. Yeah, of course you can. Like <laughs> you can. And I've also seen your woodwork. And so like, I don't, I don't see the association, you know, like don't think that because you can't draw is like your woodwork speaks for itself. You obviously have design sense, but yeah, it was, it's, it was just a really fun video to put together and kind of share that like, this was a part of my childhood that I did not understand the value until I was much later in life and realized that like, this is actually very normal for me to just be like, Hey, I just need to like practice drawing for a little bit. Can you make some stupid marks on a page and I'll draw it into something. Like when I initially said it, I remember Jess was just like, I don't understand what you're trying to do. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is super normal for me. This was just something I used to do. Um, so anyway, yeah, putting out the video was fun. Uh, again, thanks to Tim for kind of sparking all of that again and, and the renaissance of, of bringing the pencil and pen back into my hand has been quite nice. Uh, the weather, sorry, Al, has been kind of crap. So I had to take... Uh, the time off to work on the drawings and the other video. But now that things are looking up, I'll be working on the workshop this week, trying to get it done because I'm so, so anxious to get all of my kit back into my little workshop and start making things again. Like it's been, it's been nice. This kind of obligation to, to take things slow or, or, you know, work inside. It's been nice. But I'm Jonesing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, sounds like a good kind of productive way of spending time inside. 
as opposed yeah. to outside. Um, it's a great project for kids. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, man, I think it's because it, 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 it's one of those things like even uh, just doodling, like sat recording the podcast. If I've, I've normally have a pen and paper next to me to, to jot down notes. And I find that the vast majority of the time I'm just constantly doodling on that bit of paper. And I, even just doing that as a, it, like for an adult, I think that's a really, it's a good, it's a useful way of doing it. Um, and let's like say in, uh, kind of sparking that little bit of creativity. Um, I think, I think it's a fucking brilliant exercise and I, I implore people to follow your example and go and fucking do it because I'm going to try and do it a bit more now because <laughs> I think it's, it's fucking great. And it's, it's, I, it's, I wish I could do that more. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to make, tim feel obligated by any means but uh proko the channel i spiffed a couple weeks back also just did a turning your kids drawing into like a finished piece of artwork so i've seen that as well we're like just this this idea that you could like maybe tim could put up some scribbles from his little ones or something yeah and people could pick one I, i fucking hate that exercise by the way i think it's really fucking patronizing and I hate the fact that people like don't see the merit in kids' work and turn it I into don't know. And, like no, it's like it's like those like photographs where someone's like photoshopped a lion. It's like the kids fucking drawing look better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. See, yeah. <laughs> look, it's really funny. Kids can't draw things properly. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing about the the nice thing about the Proco video, which I agree with you, Al, it's very, very patronizing to go, oh, they didn't know what they were doing, so oh, I made they put a better their eyes on the same side of the head. Uh, it's the Proco one. Not patronizing, patronizing. Oh, uh, fuck <laughs> off. All right, so uh, the Proko video that I just watched, uh, the two guys that are doing the reviews of the child's drawing and the, the artist's drawing, it's great because they're very supportive. Like, oh, my God, look at this kid. Like, look at the shadows they did on the ground. This is fantastic. And they're, like, very, very uplifting to the to the kids' drawings. And my favorite bit is when the artist or the the older person redoes the drawing and keeps so close to what the original was with just like was, slightly just better. The word, it was just the wording you used. You said they, they took the kids' drawings and turned them into real works of art. It was just the the, the phrase. Oh, pissed off, Al. You understand what I mean? I know, but it, it, it just it grinds my gears. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to understand that I I agree with you. Good. You're I ain't not so wrong. Good at, You're just an I, asshole. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't so good at words and never use them much myself. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I have nothing to add for the kids. <laughs> Run All right, over. Steve, what have you been yeah. up to? I've been ranting enough about drawing stuff. Go. Uh, well, seeing as you were talking about the weather, I did what every <laughs> good British person did this this weekend. I went out in the garden and got sunburnt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so we it, again, like it's it's the same shit. We've been on lockdown, so we've been doing like house stuff, gardening. Uh, me and Jazz both got to spend some time in the garden uh, over the last couple of days, and it's been fucking ace because even with just like a day's worth of work, we've transformed the um, the the way that the garden looks and and all of that, which has been really nice. Uh, I've also been at the computer a little bit more than I would have liked, uh, but I've got some good stuff done. Um, I recorded my first uh, Patreon post in months. Uh, and instead of, I, I do this every time I sit down to record like a 10-minute 
just like quick catch up and it ends up being like an hour long uh and i go off on tangents and appear to be mentally insane um <laughs> it's just so fucking bad uh because I, I don't i don't bother editing it and it's me talking to my computer screen it's just it's fucking weird anyway it's weird uh you're weird um <laughs> What else did I do? Uh, yeah, so one of the great things about, uh, and I've, I've spoken about this a few times, but one of the, the really nice things about this kind of forced um, time at home is uh, the fact that because we're not going out shopping, we're we're thinking a lot more about the food that we cook. Um, mm. So it's not like a case of like just stopping into the shop on the way home and grabbing whatever's convenient. It's actually, you know, it, it's doing what we do like what we make a, a plan to like on on fridays and saturdays we're gonna we're gonna cook a proper meal but we're doing that every day now um so it's really nice we obviously you're getting like the the veg boxes and things like that um and uh and so jazz has been cooking some fucking incredible stuff because she's such a good cook mm-hmm. um but the other morning we i was we were having breakfast and i was like oh yeah we're just we, we didn't have any bread so i was like oh, we'll just do an omelet it's fine and uh, and then I found out that Jazz had never cooked an omelette before. Uh, so I got to teach Jazz how to make omelettes, which doesn't oh. sound like a lot, but it was such good fun because it's something that I think of as being so easy and like I, I can do. And you know, I'm saying, oh, yeah, you put it under the, the grill and get it a little bit fluffy and gives you a nice texture and then do this and yada, 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 yada. Um, but not only being able to do that, but doing that for someone that's already such a fucking good an accomplished cook anyway it was yeah it felt really nice and, and we had a lot of fun doing it and you know we got to kind of come up with some ideas and be like oh yeah we could do this next time and oh we could do that and ah, so that was really good fun um and yeah just more kind of more of the same with that like housework and cooking and stuff um but also doing some work getting the schools for fools things um sorted out getting the class schedule written up um and getting that open up so people can actually start applying oh, uh, booking uh, their places on that um so the invites for the hangouts are going to be going out tonight uh, after we finished um recording um there's been quite a lot of interest in it already it's really good to see um uh there is still going to be time to sign up for the classes when this comes out so if you want to get in on it there's a post in the group go see that and and sign yourself up um, nice. what else have i done oh yeah uh so uh, a couple of things I spoke about the truck earlier on, earlier on last week, week four, whatever. Uh, and I've sourced the paint for that, and Ooh. I now have that kind of open on a tab, so that when I finally get some money again, I can I can get that paint and start working on that. Um, is, this really project, nice of... is this project going to be documented, Steve? Well, this is one of the things that came up in the Patreon ramble. I was like, I could film it, but uh, what's it's, the point? Uh, it's, it's Patreon. <laughs> uh, and uh, i was like I, I don't know if this is worth kind of filming because i don't i don't know what i'm doing this isn't like this isn't a how-to video this is just this would just be me fucking up a potentially really nice truck sort of thing <laughs> and uh and the feedback was basically no you should definitely film that because it'd be really interesting to see so um i am going to be filming bits of it uh i'm I was talking to Jazz about it um, last night. I'm very much not going to be worried about the cinematography of it. This is just going to be kind of a a documentation of the project rather than making a really nice video to watch. Um, just because 
the the truck is something that I do for fun. It's it's a project I want to see completed, and I don't want to waste well not waste time, but I don't want to spend uh, more time than I need to worrying about you know making sure I've got the perfect camera angle and making sure I've got enough shots of this and too many shots of that and and all that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna document it, but very kind of shorthand documentation of it. Um, but yeah, it's good kind of getting that uh, set up for future projects. Um, one of the other things with uh, with that is there's been quite a few things recently where I've needed to um, design a, a thing or you know, I've, I've wanted to 3D print something or I've wanted to get something laser cut or whatever and I've needed to create a, a 3D model of it mm-hmm. um, and I don't really know a huge amount about 3D modeling. So I've got uh, your friend and mine, Jamie Reader, uh, had him on a hangout and um, we just went through some basics of of CAD, just drawing some stuff out and just kind of uh, demystifying it. So I feel comfortable going ahead and kind of exploring um, the program on my own, uh, which was really good. Um, and it, it's quite a nice one because it's it's kind of like the it's almost like the future of making, being able to model something on your computer and then print it out or, you know, you can print it and cast it or do whatever. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just thought that was quite a nice way of um, of, of progressing my skills and segueing into the uh, the topic of uh, the future of making. Um, but yeah, with, with CAD, it's fucking ace and I'm really looking forward to it. And so many projects already I'm looking at going, oh, actually I could, I could mock that up beforehand and yeah, I could even 3D print a, a small version of it to make sure that it looks right and it feels right when it's in your hand and all this. And I think that's, for me, that's where the the future of making is. It's being able to prototype stuff um, quickly and easily um, before having to spend too much time actually hashing something out. Yeah, I'm I'm so interested in the idea of 3D printing and being able to send something over as a dimensional piece and having it just be created you know while while you don't necessarily have to mock it up yourself out of cardboard and spit um i'm wondering how how long is it going to take before those things become more and more instant right because so much about 3d printing uh has its advantages but it's still a time sink right like uh bob i remember bob talking about the uh, printing the parts for the stormtrooper gun and outfit and all that stuff and how it was hundreds of hours or thousands yeah, of yeah. hours of print time and stuff like that. And if something goes wrong, you know, your print head seizes up or you run out of filament or something, you know, God knows. But people are going to be pushing to make those things faster. Like the sure. machines are going to get so fast <laughs> at being able to just output these these mock-ups of these products, you know, and I don't, I'm sure you guys have seen the the machines that are actually creating things out of metal or yeah, I know yeah, Shapeways probably. yeah Shapeways has it's basically just a welder you know like a MIG welder <laughs> yeah they just build stuff out of steel so um, question on that then Brett because like if you think of the technology side of stuff and like computers and basically how quick it is to um you know map functions and and, and run programs and stuff versus it, what it was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, that side of tech massively increases like speed and performance year on year. Yeah. More, Moore's law, you can't escape it. But 
is there limitations in like the physics of extruding molten plastic? See that that therein lies my biggest issue with it because heating and oh, cooling is, is that the problem? Are, are we are we too focused on like one specific way of three D printing at the moment? And like you, yeah. you know, you walk away and you come back and it's spaghetti because the yeah. the nozzle got clogged or whatever. Like, if we, we is it one of those cases where we have the tech but we don't know how to apply it? Well, like see, we're, we're using something else. right? My, my the example that's been going through my head is like a dot matrix printer. Mm. You know, if you look at something that's more of a less about computers and that specific tech is like computing power and the systems yeah. that run it and how small laptops have gotten and all these things. Look at it more as a peripheral, like a printer, you know, which it is. It's a 3D printer. <laughs> but a dot matrix printer, I remember having one of those, you know, in school growing up, everything got printed out and it was just a series of pixels, yeah. you know, like single little boop on the page. <laughs> and then you get into like ASCII art or ask however you pronounce that, you know, where it was people drawing with X's yeah, and yeah. O's and, and numbers and stuff like that. And now we've progressed to the point where you could do, you know, photorealistic drawings in Photoshop and then output them and they look the exact same that they are created yeah. on your screen. Yeah. So when it comes to the physics and the mechanics that go into these 3D printers, in my mind, the uh, the speed at which that technology will grow has to be similar to this like dot matrix versus UV printing. You know, but like you use the example of the, the, the welder, like a robot welder, for all intents and purposes, welds at the same speed as a human welder. Exactly, um, but we the, deal the, the movement in between might be quicker, and the reloading and oh, the, yeah, the yeah, efficiencies, yeah. but it's still welding at the speed of weld. Yeah, I mean, and, <laughs> right? and like you can't overheat, you can't no. overheat the material. It's the same thing with the filament. And well, I was going to say that, Go that's one of the things with the with with the way that you look at 3d printing like the obviously the most common way is you get the filament that's on a spool um that can, only, I love it. <laughs> that, that can only print uh a certain um at certain speeds if yeah. um like i i've had to fuck around with the settings load in the last couple of weeks because i've been doing stuff and if if you try and print too quickly then you'll get deformations in the actual print so whereas with like the like your doc mate dot matrix printer um yeah, you, you're not pushing it. You're not pushing the the papers through so fastly, so fast that it's catching on fire. Whereas <laughs> with with a three D printer, that's like the 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 um, the limiting factor is not the the printer, but the actual material itself. Um, the the other way of doing it, which is actually more like a dot matrix, is um, where they kind of they layer uh, really really finely ground yeah. uh, plastic. Crazy. And then the laser goes on it and does that and blah, 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 blah. And, and that is so much more accurate as well. Because the other thing is, is 3D printing is, yes, you can make some really, really nicely fine detailed stuff with extrusion printing, but it it does have its limitations. Um, whereas the, the, the laser one where you have the sheets is so much more accurate. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's potential to do that with... Uh, the metal printing and, and and stuff like that as well because it's the same process you just heat it up to the point where it becomes molten and then let laser off and and that's it it, it, it cools down and it, it's there um so i think in my opinion i think that that form of printing is going to be um is going to grow massively in terms of like industrial printing and in terms of um like rapid prototyping but for the home consumer 
3D printing is is going to get better. It's going to get um, easier to use. I think that's one of the the kind of sticking points at the moment is for a lot of people, it's difficult to um, it's it's easy to get a, a 3D printer and get something that will print, but getting something that's going to print really nicely and consistently consistently that's where the um, the kind of the tweaking comes in, and that's where the the skill comes in. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a um, like a, 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 an analog in my head. Then, so if you've got um, additive metal printing versus like the 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 normal CNC method of, of machining, yeah. So you say you're, you're making like a, an alloy wheel, for example. Yeah. Forget about the sort of structural integrity and the metallurgy for a moment, yeah. and imagine that they're they're on parity. Mm. It, I'm assuming you will be able to get to a point where milling would be faster than printing. Uh, it, to, your, to your point, the, the 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 printing, you're still waiting for metal to either melt and solidify or cure. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you're limited by the the chemical the the chemistry of it. Whereas yeah. with milling, you're just limited by the mechanics and the movement of the machine. Because you could yes. cool it, you could super cool stuff and, and mill it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, to an extent. But obviously, you've yeah, as long as your your cooling's on point, then really, yeah. Um, I'm just trying I to think... picture my head in like in like sci-fi films in the future where they just kind of like <laughs> like and things like move around and and, and eventually yeah. just build like the Fifth Element where they're just like building Lily yeah. from scratch. And that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking of. Is just like this machine. <laughs> And then they shine an ultraviolet light on it. Yeah. And the skin <laughs> yeah. Just um, the, the, I, I wish that I knew more about machining at this point, because I'm sure there's some things about like the speed at which you remove metal, like at a certain point, it stops actually cutting nicely or something, but that, speeds, baby. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just don't know enough about it to be able to say, yeah, that's not a problem or yeah, you could definitely, it will definitely hit a, a thingy but you know someone else with more knowledge might might be able to answer that yeah when we're when we're thinking about all this stuff i don't want to just stay on 3d printing though al i'm right there with you in terms of the i i don't have a specific example that's popping up in my head right now but i know i've seen sci-fi movies where it's like a liquid bath and <laughs> this arm just comes out holding yeah. a thing that's ghost been in the created and yeah what is it ghost in the shell where she's yeah there you go there you go so the, or I guess Westworld kind of did something like that. Yeah. Like the, like well, again, the, just the start of Westworld, it's like really slowly printing like 3D printed filaments. So it's like yeah. it's showing you this like the painstaking process they go through making it. It's not right. this like, mm. oh, and then, it, and then a thing popped out fully made. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But the the idea that, you know, how does how does blacksmithing look? when technology catches up to that point like you could 3d print if you could print steel and say it was like a hardenable steel or something like that where does blacksmithing sit at at a certain point there has to be this like well i now i can print a hammer you know that's that's the kind of thing that makes me uh question what happens with the material or the actual physics that are going on because i've learned from some really talented smiths that make tools that it's all about you know austin tight austinite what's it called martinsite 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 and like the hardening process and how the molecules do these things and grain structures and stuff if you were able to print something out of steel in this filament layered situation (laughs) 
there has to be like cooling and hardening yeah. and stuff and would it totally yeah. end up screwing everything up so at that point there's still a handmade process that makes sense you know it still makes yeah. sense to do things in an older way or or a more traditional manner but where does the gray zone or where does the line start to blur between like what is feasible to either 3d print or machine make versus the stuff that we just can't avoid or like the physics of it alone requires yeah craftsmanship. So there's, there's there's a there's a lot of stuff um that's uh like without going into loads of of the metallurgy of it um there's there's a lot of stuff that even now is is made in huge forgings like um there was in the to give you a very very brief overview after the um the second world war one of the things that was uh on a lot of people's on a lot of the government's mind was the fact that the germans were able to produce planes of really high quality really really quickly because they had these massive forging presses um and uh america england didn't have that kind of technology so that's why um during the cold war there was this this huge thing called the uh oh fuck it's like the super heavy press program or something like that where basically um america went off and, and built these uh like uh 50,000 ton presses and things like that and they're still in use today like stuff that um that was on the the the, the spaceships that went to the moon was was made using these presses because the metallurgy requires it um even now there's there's like pistons for ships and things like that because of the metallurgy behind it they need to be forged because it's of, of the way it affects the grain structure and like you say if you were to 3d print that then it wouldn't um uh it, 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 because of the, the heating and cooling there wouldn't be this nice like uh i can't think of the fucking word consistent this nice consistent um structure throughout the entire thing there'd be weak points and, and all of this um and even if you were to cast something like we can't cast steel in that sort of size uh chunks and then machine it out um not without again affecting the the, the structure of the steel so there's there's lots of things that are, are limited just by the physics of the actual um, uh, material itself. But then you get into stuff like if if we're going to go right down the the, the futuristic um, avenue of it, like what about like a replicator, like the replicators from Star Trek? Do they <laughs> do, like because they, they go down to atoms like are they going to um, be able to replicate something that's perfectly functional? Like in theory, like, yes, they totally should. And if if we had that te technology, would there still be a need for for craftsmen? I mean, it, it, and I think that that question is already answered because you know we we have cars, we don't need horses, but we still have people that ride horses because they've it's become an enjoyment thing. And the same with like a, a lot of the stuff that blacksmiths make uh, nowadays isn't made because it needs to be made by a blacksmith. It's made because people want that um, that craft behind they want that story behind it um mm. is, it, is, it, is it just the, is it the materials then is it the materials that we have a romantic connection with like in the future you you, you could just make every knife out of ceramic you know you wouldn't need to yeah. fold metal and heat metal and spend hours doing it and worry about the metallurgy you could just press ceramics mm. <laughs> um well it's what makes and, and worry about metal detectors later but 
Well, well, that's what's it's making me uh, same line of thinking. Like, what about woodwork in the future? We can talk about 3D printing and steels and, yeah. and metallurgy and stuff like that. But in terms of just like, you know, 100 years from now, if anybody can make anything on these printers, what happens to woodwork? Do people have that emotional connection with just being like, well, I want something made out of a natural material and not plastic or, or metal of some sort? Yeah. What happens to... But again, I, I think like it, this. What is do you just grow that... a tree inside of a mold and wait for <laughs> like those square melons? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, said that, didn't we? Uh, Spit someone that that was doing that, like With growing... the chairs. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like already, you know, you can go to IKEA and you can get a table, a chair, a bed, or whatever that's you know basically ready made. You just need to put the bolts in, and and it's there. But not everyone buys stuff from IKEA. Like people still want handmade bespoke handcrafted stuff and even even if you could design that on on a cad program and print it out with a wood 3d printer yes some people probably would and you'd have people that did designs and you know you you'd buy the design and you'd get it printed in your local wood 3d printing lumberyard um but i think you'd still have people willing to pay to have an actual craftsman make the thing and so, it's, so then, it's, then it's about the it's about the people isn't it yeah it's not it's, about well, it's the about, thing no it's about the people about the and the story and the romance and and to a certain extent it's kind of a also it's about the status symbol because yeah. it's you know like i said you I, i've got the desk that i'm using at the moment is from ikea it's 15 years old i've had it since i was a kid and it's still works it's still here it's fine but I would, in a heartbeat, if I could, I would get a really nice handcrafted bespoke mm -hmm. desk. Not because it's going to hold my monitors any better, but just because it's a beautiful thing to have. And yeah, it means that when people come in, rather than looking at it and just being like, oh, it's, it's a desk from Ikea, they're going to look in and go, where the fuck did that come from? How did you afford that? And it's in, it's that state symbol. It's, it's like, it's the same with, with a car. You know, you can, you can spend... 300 quid get a banger and drive around in a 15 year old Peugeot 205 or you can have a fucking bespoke handcrafted um Maserati that's been kissed by <laughs> butts of angels or whatever the fuck they is they do that you know it, it, it's a, yeah <laughs> I don't know where my head was going with that but that's, that's the thing it's like it it people want to be able to say I'm I have paid more money for this thing, therefore I have more worth. Like that's that's what a lot of it comes down to. Is it, it's so, a state symbol? So we're either it's either prideful or just human condition that that will just continue forever. Well, which yeah, I, I'm I'm not necessarily disagreeing with, but you think of like Waterworld or all these like futuristic or post-apocalyptic or dystopian movies that have come out, and like what is the thing that is the most valuable? Right, Mad Max. It was like gas. Yeah, and in Waterworld, he brings a jar of dirt, and it's he's he's like a millionaire because he's got dirt in a jar. Um, I try and think about this this future, and of course, I'm I'm a bit uh, I I tend to go towards more of the like Blade Runner future, like the neo yeah. neo future, where somebody has solved the power problem, which is great because now everybody has power and. It is plentiful, but certain things become more important, 
right? Or or become sought after. So Steve, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you that as long as humans exist, there will probably be people that want an old thing or a classical thing or something that is hard to get. Yeah. Or, you know, if trees go extinct in a thousand years, something made out of wood will probably be you know, an absolute relic that will probably be yeah. worth tons of, of imperial credits. Um I'm I don't know how far into the future I want to look because I'm not necessarily going to be around. I won't be around in a thousand years unless I freeze myself like in Futurama, but I want to know what's like future proof or like, why, why do I want to spend so much time learning this thing? If in 20 years, something like 3d printing is going to put me out of not necessarily a job, but like, it's going to make that thing that I do that craft that I do. Like no one even gives a shit about it anymore because everyone can print one from well, their home. That, that's everything. Yeah, surely that's everything. Surely everything that that we do now, someone somewhere is trying to automate it to make it cheaper. Yeah, yeah. just for the 100%. sole purposes of capitalism. Yeah, so there's, I mean, no, there's no escape from that, Brett. Even like learning coding. Yeah, like like all the people that learn HTML, like. There's, yeah. no, there's no point. <laughs> At the time, it was like valuable, and you know, you could you could get a job based on it. Yeah, but it's I, it's, I, it's relevant. When one of my previous jobs was uh, was working for a company, and we had a uh, we we had like a research lab in the south of France, and one in San Diego, and all they did was worked on machine learning and automation. So our job was like our the main of the business was uh, to go into call centers and you know when you go onto a website it like there's a little pop up saying hi I'm Rachel I'm here to help you today what can I do for you and you ask it a load of simple questions and it comes like a robot kind of, yeah <laughs> yeah and it it's just it's just a robot and we worked in in putting that in, that technology in and so we did a lot of stuff on um automation including like not just uh service center stuff but everything i mean you you look at tesla's self-driving trucks and things like that like self-driving cars when all that comes in like we're not going to have need of a taxi driver we're not going to need lorry drivers we're not going to need this we're not going to need that and so many jobs that are out there now are being um they're being automated they're they're or at least they're being reduced to the point where actually you don't you know we we don't need to have 400 people working in that factory we just need four people that are operating those machines that are doing the work of 100 people like right it's it's, it's reducing the 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 manpower of doing things and it's it's got one of two ways that it could go um and that's either the kind of star trek method where actually you do a job because you enjoy the job and it's fun and everyone's on a some form of universal income whether that's you know nobody pays for anything and you just get it all for free or it's a barter system or you know everyone gets two thousand dollars a month and you know you can spend that on however you wish or whatever or it goes the other way which is you end up with a very small number of people being extremely wealthy and uh, a very small amount of people having uh access to the few jobs that still remain and because those jobs or because there's such a high level of unemployment those jobs actually pay peanuts because they know that as soon as you walk out the door someone else is going to come in and Mm -hmm. you have swathes of people that are 
unemployed. And I mean, there was uh, there was a really good example. Um, the by Joe Heldman. Um, so in in that it it deals with uh, time dilation and stuff like that. And in one of the um, the the chapters, it deals with a, a situation where the world has turned into that sort of a a place. Um, and it's a really interesting kind of thought experiment. Like, what happens then? Do we just have huge amounts of of unemployment and and people living on the streets? And you know, what happens with welfare? What happens with this? What happens with that? Like, it's a really bizarre thing. And it's something that, if you think about for too long, can be extremely depressing. Um, but that's why I kind of think, well, actually, if I was a a blacksmith a hundred years ago and I was looking at the industrial revolution, going oh, fuck, my job is, you know, I'm going to be out of a job in six weeks. Like, yes, for a long time, blacksmithing just saw a complete decline and no one, and obviously I'm talking about blacksmiths because it's what I do, so, so a complete decline. Um, it went from being at least one in every village, if not more, to being you'd be lucky to find one within a 50-mile radius, hmm. whereas now they're popping up all over the place again because there's partly to do with the rise in the maker it's partly to do with the fact we have a lot more disposable and they're they're able to say i don't want something that's cheap and, and mass produced i want to be able to buy something that's handcrafted that's made for me that has has this story behind it that's got some kind of customization to it um, so, so is, is, is there an irony in that then that in in the future as we move towards everything being mass produced everything being instantaneous and cheap and environmentally friendly and stuff that actually the desire will be for more of the the handmade stuff. So if you you go back to like the seventies and everyone's house was filled with like solid wood furniture for Micah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like in combination, there was like <laughs> right, all, right, the, yeah. all the family heirloom stuff, and then all the cheap rank orange yes, pine shit yeah. and for Micah and um, what's it called uh, asbestos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Then you know the next generation there was, there was either no money to buy all this stuff or the the heirlooms no longer were passed down or there was an entire generation bought up on IKEA furniture. But are you saying, Steve, that as we move forward, actually they're going to be the things that people want, and that's where the value is going to be in the things that are handmade and the the solid wood and the you know the the, the hammered metal as opposed to the the three D printed. Yeah. So I think it, it's going to be a case of. It's it's like the whole thing of you know you have um, a base level of stuff. So you have your your three D printed chair, right. your um, your IKEA desk or whatever. Like every, everyone has that. Everyone has access to that. But actually, if if you want, you can go out and you can get a really nice footstool that was made by a, <laughs> a craftsman. Or yeah, everyone's got that like one or two bits of like luxury items that were that were handmade because. I mean, for me, the, the way that I look at it is if it gets to the point where um, the because the, the two main things that we need as a society is power and food. So if we can find a way of making sure that either full automization or at least some some way that everyone has permanent access to electricity and food and, you know, housing and, and, and all of that. So everyone's on an equal playing field, then yeah, you're going to get so many more people that are doing stuff like that just as a, as fun. And I think it's, you're already starting to see some of that coming through with the rise of the maker movement. It's a reaction to the fact that 
yeah, you don't need to work down a coal mine anymore. Like that, that's not a job. Like certainly in 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 our neck of the woods, like it, it's not something that you need to do to to make a living. You don't need to go through that that hardship. And so people are because they're not working with their hands. Because so many people work in offices where there's no um, the, there's no physical representation of a, a day's work. It's just some numbers on a spreadsheet. That's why so many people want a move into this uh, movement. And I think with that move into it, people that don't necessarily um, have the the time or the ability to be able to make those things for themselves, that's why they buy their products. I mean, that's that's who we sell our products to. We, as in, like the 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 uh, the forge, the the where I work. Like, we sell our products mostly to people that want to do it themselves have time um, or don't skill or the experience or whatever so i think it's it i, I think it is going to come into the, the point where people either let's say you, you you have either this really nice utopia where everyone's on an equal playing field and and they buy things and they have things because they really want them or you're going to have the dystopia where there's a handful of people that get these handmade things because they can afford it and they want to show everyone that they can afford it. And then everyone else that can't afford fuck all. So they're, you know, they're having to have things that are kind of fixed and bodged and, and screwed together with duct tape and baler twine sort of thing, because that's, you know, they, they need to make do amend sort of thing. But that's it. Yeah, it does. But I think it's the human condition that, that craves the latter, Mm. you know, that, that, that chaos inherent in, handmade things and bodged things yeah. is is always going to be with us. If we get to a point where everyone can just press print or materialize or whatever, um, and your chicken soup vending machine just pops out whatever you want at any point, there's, there, there isn't any want for anything and any desire, and it will just become ball. It will be, become wally, and we'll just be floating, floating blocks yeah. in little automatic yeah. things. But the, the thing that, you know, the combustion engine that, that might blow up, yeah. is the romantic yeah. thing you know yeah. where where's the fun in driving around in instant torque uh solar energy that i got off my roof with with zero emissions <laughs> uh, and and you know hundreds of hours of, of drive time when i could sit on an essentially a, a, a repetitive bomb uh, that, <laughs> that, that pumps out smoke and makes a cool sound it's like that, yeah. that's that's the thing we like as people yeah it? yeah well i i always look for uh virtual markets and virtual not analogies i don't want to use that word but <laughs> basically the example i'm getting to is uh online video games like mmos yeah. and things like that that have a an in-game market system yeah they speak a lot to what the future is going to be because the majority <laughs> of these people that play these games are are it's a younger audience right so it's the generation coming up and if you're like me, it's been a while since I played it any, but um, you're able to really see what what people are willing to pay for, or put the time into. So there, there might be a very rare item in the game that somebody can get, and then they put it up in the auction house within the game, and it goes for ridiculous amounts of money that would take hundreds of hours of gameplay to accumulate. And even though it's all virtual and doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day, that is a really, really good example of what 
yeah. there there's still a desire to have a thing that is either not owned by anybody else or somehow benefits your yeah. in the game character but in real life you know if you had a $10,000 redwood table that was just the most beautiful piece of wood you've ever seen in your entire life somebody will absolutely somebody exists out there with the money yeah. and and the means to acquire that thing if you happen to be the one that makes it you know good on you but i the virtual market stuff and uh you know we were talking in the pre-show about ready player one for a minute just because it keeps coming up or i keep listening to it in the background while i'm working that that is hilarious because people that have never played an online game or ever dealt with an online community like that may not understand some of the you know the nerdy references and the geeky stuff that exists in the book like push all that to the side what happens within that future world where everyone's in a virtual, you know, has this virtual version of themselves, people are so willing to put in the time and effort and work to create this character so that they can buy the DeLorean (laughs) as like a vehicle within this game. Like stuff like that boggles my mind because if you put it into a more practical real world sense, it is not far removed from like, why the hell would somebody buy a, a Damascus knife for $6,000? Like, it's just a fucking knife. Like they, there are yeah. hundreds and thousands of different kinds of knives, but that one is worth more because of either the craftsperson behind it or the attention to detail or whatever the hell it is, whatever value you place on that at the end of the day does not separate it except for like, perspective and opinion it does not separate yeah. it from the kitchen knife you can buy from you know the kitchen depot down the street it still cuts yeah. things <laughs> it just like whatever fucking purpose it serves after that fulfillment wise is 100 yeah. on the buyer or the or the market that it's been developed so i i have a, a i i think i kind of share your opinion on this brett but i'm i'm interested to hear your guys opinions on this so i i think with with every item you get to the point of diminishing returns so like our axes for example you can go out to to b and q and you can buy an axe for 15 quid and it it will cut wood um it will you, do you can't be and q's are closed yeah it's, yeah it's essential item it's fine uh <laughs> click and collect it's fine um but like you know so you you know you 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 can get these things and they will they will do a job um then you've got like the carving axes actually you can't get that at being you can get an axe but it won't necessarily do quite the same thing so all right yeah okay that justifies spending a little bit more because it's a unique design um but then it gets to the point where and it's the same with kitchen knives like like brett was saying like you you if you buy a, a five pound knife from Tesco, it's it's gonna cut a thing. Like it might not necessarily cut it very well, but it, it will eventually cut a thing. And you know, you can sharpen it yourself and, and all that. Um and there's you know different types of steel, so it retains the sharpness for longer, it's less brittle. Yeah, um so you get all of these kind of uh factors that add up. But they get to a certain point where you know you're spending over a thousand pounds for a knife that in reality is no better than the knife that's 500 pounds. Um, but then you get to knives that are 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds for a knife just because 
of the brand that's associated to it. In like and 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 Brett's thing uh, about the video games is it's it's the custom skins on Fortnite on um, uh, CS:GO on whatever. Like it's 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 about having those bragging rights. It's about having you know the costume that nobody else has. It's about having the 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 car that nobody else has got. It's about having the custom thing. And it's it's not necessarily that it gives you any more power or that it makes you any better or whatever. It's just because you then have the bragging rights. And I think that's what that for me, like that's what I see is it gets to the point of um yes, you can spend more money to get a thing that does the job better, but after a certain point, you're not paying because it does it better. You're paying so that you can say Right. I've spent this much money on this thing. So the bell bell curve. Yeah. There's a bit of a bell curve on that as well. So what was the actual question? So am, <laughs> yes, am, I being, am I being completely cynical by saying that actually at a certain point, people are just people the, the reason that that this um that, that crafts will always maintain value is just because people want to swing their dicks around and say, I've spent more money, I'm better. Or is it more? Is is there more than that? Is that? The... I, I think a little from column A, a little from column B. I really? think some people can appreciate stuff in the privacy of their own home, and it never see the light of day, and it never be shown off to anyone. So the, these things are not always status symbols. You know, you might just like the way um, a certain type of wood feels in your hand. Yeah. Or you might like the weight of a pan versus a shit one you got from Asda. Yeah. You know, so I don't think it's always a st- I, I, there's there's obviously an element of it, um, mm. but I don't think it's always a status symbol. I think you you know you wear luxurious underwear that nobody would ever see, but it's I, for you. I, I tend to show a lot of people my underwear, <laughs> and Brett doesn't wear any. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? It's 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 for your own benefit. So it's yeah. about making you feel good, or, yeah. or, or, or you you appreciate the story of the thing that went into it. You know, so you know if I were to show. 90% of the people I know, some of the things that any of you guys have made me, they wouldn't get it. Yeah. So it's not, it's not about, it's not about status. It's about the inherent knowledge and the, the appreciation that you know what went into it. Yeah. You know, I think people value that more. Well, I don't know. There's obviously two types of people. There's, <laughs> there's dick swingers and then there's people that get it. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's the thing is I think like for me, I, I kind of, I said it because I was hoping to get a, a bit of a reaction from it because I, like I said, I th- I think hundred percent there is there are reasons why it is worth spending more money on certain things. It's like trainers; like you can go to Primark and buy a four pound pair of trainers that will last you for two shifts behind a bar, <laughs> or you can go and get a pair of really nice, expensive trainers that are going to last you for a year behind a bar. Like it, it there is um, there is value in in spending a bit more on things and in getting things that are handcrafted and, and, and all of that. So, but, but the the lines are getting blurred now. So you can buy, yeah. you can buy a Tesla for 60 grand or a Tesla for 90 grand. And it's literally exactly the same thing. It's just they've, had a switch they've, changed. They've, on they've it. just turned the code on or off. Yeah. So even value doesn't mean anything up. anymore. Yeah. So, so to Brett's point about like, did you like, you know, rewind 20 years and kids are collecting Pokemon cards or stickers, you know, and you get a shiny it's like that the there's a limited number of them and they are rare. Yeah. So the yeah. inherent value of them is based on how many there are. It's like a precious metal. Yeah. But getting getting into a digital realm and where things are just 
code you know it, there isn't even a physical representation of these things yet people are still willing to spend money on stuff so people are still willing to like i use this example at work in presentations <laughs> of of a certain generation buying fake clothing to put on photographs of themselves for an instagram yeah like virtual clothing and a virtual wardrobe because that yeah. matters more to them than what they're literally wearing as they go outside yeah and that's a, that's a real industry. <laughs> yeah, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. I, I, I think this come, kind of comes back to. Well, why is saying. it? Why is it? If, if it, that if that's the, if that's the world that they're living in, the values, the things that they value is is um, the impression that, yeah, that they make, and then that in that realm versus because, the one that they got the fucking shop. Does it matter what you look like when you got the shop? Because it's 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 that thing. That's it's the whole thing of their perceived worth, and yeah. to them, their perceived worth is it's more important on social media than it is going to the shops and i think that's kind of like going to back to the what you were saying about the tesla though that's what i mean is like that when it gets to the point where those um those standardized things that everyone has a a 60 grand tesla and only a few people get the 90 grand tesla sort of thing it's just a case of just switching that little bit of code around so you know for me like the the kind of um the the utopia is that when we have the um the star trek star replicators where you know anyone can get anything so nobody is ever without that's when things like handmade things really have a value because again it, it's the whole thing about having the thing that nobody else has because you've got uh that's so fucking distracting uh because you know everyone's got uh, a room full of things Tesla's. that take yeah, everyone's got a garage full of Teslas, but yeah. not everyone's got a hand-built custom hot rod. Because oh, nice callback. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Well, I have to take this into the uh, the video game realm again. But um, on the on the flip side of that, I'm saying that there's like constantly going to be this separation with just like even if there's a couple of tiers of like your your low end. Uh, Casual players don't have a lot of money, don't really care about the armor they're getting and everything like that. And then you'll have your your mid-tiers that play the game and get the cool stuff, but like they don't really go overboard. Then you have your high-tier players that want the best armor in the game and the best goodies and all the fantastical items and stuff like that. And they, within this game, and I'm I'm using all of these examples because the last one that I played was Final Fantasy XIV. So if anybody else played that that listens to this, they'll understand my favorite thing, my favorite, favorite thing is the people that are crazy dedicated and have put a lot of time and effort into getting all the good items and questing and, and getting the best armor and stuff. You have two different kind of people on that level, though. You have the one guy that shows up in your party and he's all decked out and showing it off and like, look at how much hours and money and stuff I put into this character. And then you have the person that's done the exact same amount of time, effort, work, money, all that stuff. And they show up with no armor on because you can glamour. It's called glamouring. You can basically make all of your stuff invisible or yeah. replace it with any other look that you want. So you yeah. can have the highest level armor in the game and show up and you're just wearing Sleep underwear. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could show up wearing a bunny onesie. And and be the most powerful character in the game. And just be like, I don't really care. That's not. Yeah, I did this but, to be strong, but I don't care about what I look like. What what I'm getting at though is the fact that there will still I'm 
I'm uh, I feel good about the fact that there will still be like your nerdy people that exist even in real life right now that may have tons of money and made it huge in in like the tech world. But really, at the end of the day, they just want, like Al said, like a shiny Charizard from a Pokemon deck that they couldn't get when they were little. And they're yeah. willing to pay for it because they, they just want the thing. And it's yeah. not a status symbol. They don't really care. They're appreciating it in the comfort of their own home. Like Al was saying, you know, a nice cutting board from your grandma has the same value as the fucking chair that probably serves more purpose that you bought yeah. for 10 times as much money as it's probably worth. Yeah. Because like uh, sticking with the the game analogy, um, the one of the guys I used to live with, Doug, he uh, his life uh, whilst we were living together, his life revolved around World of Warcraft. Mm. He was um, he was the number one tank on the server. Like everyone oh, fucking knew him. He was he was famous, and, and his uh, name he... was Laserface. <laughs> uh, That's a terrible name. Taserface. <laughs> um but yeah he uh he he used to raid every other day and all this stuff and um and they used to grind for gear so they'd be like going over the same uh ones over and over again to get the the best gear and um and i remember he did a a thing and basically he he was gifted by the clan or that by the guild sorry um this super super rare set of uh pauldrons like the, the shoulder pieces and um and he was like uh yeah no no i'm i'm good and everyone's like what the fuck why why don't you want them he's like because they they're actually worse for my armor or for my character than the ones i'm wearing like the ones i'm wearing uh like they're they're not super rare or anything but they're really fucking good and (laughs) these ones yes they might be a bit rarer but they don't actually improve my character at all so no, nah, you, you can keep them, or I'll just sell them. And like that, that that was great for me because it was like that's that's again that's what I was saying. Like it's about the, it's not about how necessarily rare it is. It's about where it gets to on the bell curve. If you're at the top of the bell curve, then fucking that's that's the sweet spot. If you go past that, then you just you kind of you you're wasting your money. And I think, um, like you were saying, Brett, like there's there's people that that give a shit about going past the bell curve and and showing off and then there's the people that like i say they just want the the shiny charizard because they they want it and then they don't have to to gloat about it um i i i did kind of purposely try and stir the pot a little bit by saying like oh everyone's just dick swinging wants to show off how much money they've got but it, 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 like like al said it's it there are people that sit on both sides of the fence and again with fucking everything that we deal with it's not black and white there's so many shades of gray and i think this is why we're we as makers will always have value because there's always going to be people that that want something that's handcrafted because it's got a story or because it is slightly better than what you can get uh mass produced or because they know the person that's made it and they want to support them or because Actually, they just want to be able to say that they spent X amount of money. Um, I was getting onto it, <laughs> uh, but that's the thing: is like they're all being able to sit in all those different camps, and being able to um, sell to all those different kinds of people, and being able to be involved with all those different spectrums of of humanity is is what makes us all 
Tout à fait. Cool. Uh, uh, Al, you got an order? Yeah, it's Azub. Azub, which is Al first. That's you. Okay, you, cool. You're going to spiff. Um, I would like to spiff a gentleman called Simon, um, who goes by the better name of the Crafty Fox. Uh, there's a few Crafty Foxes in this little community, but this one appears to be the bona fide Crafty Fox. Um, and he's got a YouTube channel. He's got an Instagram account. Um, but the YouTube channel is relatively small. He's got less videos than me, which is saying something. Um, and his last couple that are kind of week old, he's just been doing some really fun things, really simple builds. He did a pewter paw, which is super nice, um, and uh, a picture frame. But his just videos are just fun, and he's got a good sense of humor. And kind of you see him just going over things and learning as he goes. It's just really interesting. It's like a, he's got that kind of... Laura Camp style of editing music. Yeah. You know, he knows how to make a video, but I think the yeah. interesting bit is him actually putting some personality into it and making it about him yeah. and not necessarily just about making. So check yeah. him out, Crafty Fox. Give him some love. Um, he's just starting out, and he, I think he'd like some some feedback and some, um, you know, constructive advice if anyone's willing to give it. Nice. Well, good. Crafty just Crafty Fox. Know the. Yeah. Uh, Yes, and as soon as you said, pardon me, I just burped. Uh, as soon as you said Crafty Fox, I instantly had uh, Beastie Boys stuck in my head. Uh, Azub, yeah. yeah, there we go, see? Uh, Azub, that means I am next, and I am going to wholesale rip off um, the Axe Nine podcast because they had a guy from the Meandering Maker on recently. <clears throat> I say recently this week. Um, and Guy uh, talking about futurism, and um, I don't know why my voice is suddenly going, it's because I've run out of cider. <coughs> yeah, talking about futurism and making things even though better things are available and all of that. Uh, Guy's main business is making canvas and leather and rivet-based packs, um, like backpacks and, and shit. Um, and he says himself, like, Canvas is heavy as shit. If you want like a lightweight, uh, like fully fucking perfect uh, pack, don't don't buy from him. His are designed to be hard wearing, last forever, traditional based packs. Um, and I mean the the photography on his um, on his Instagram is is beautiful. He's he's got a, a YouTube channel as well, but I haven't actually watched any of it. Um, but yeah, like. He he makes stuff in a quite a traditional manner. Um, they're not cheap. They're not particularly lightweight. They're not groundbreaking in any way. But he's got a very successful business doing just that, um, which I think kind of ties very nicely into what we were talking about today. The fact that actually just because it's it's traditional doesn't necessarily mean it's not still valid. Um, does, and it's still have a future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so go go check out Guy uh, Meandering Maker uh, on Instagram and YouTube. Um, and if you want to listen to him, then he's on that other podcast as well. I wouldn't recommend it, though. It's kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> Brett, what about you? Oh, man. I am... 
I am completely out of ideas. Oh. And what about for your uh, spiff? Oh, thank you. Alan. Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, that really tickled me. Honestly, I I don't. I have to be honest. I don't really have a spiff. The only thing that's been on my brain over the last few days is like sharing and suggesting uh, either books to read, audio things, podcasts, all that kind of jazz. Um, I know we've talked about it before in the podcast, and I don't know what it is about the timing of things, but I have started listening to Ready Player One as read by Will Wheaton again for like the third or fourth time. As far as background noise goes... I will say that it is a delightful book if you're nerdy and into the dystopian futuristic stuff that we've been talking about on the podcast today. Um, if, I guess if I had to spiff anything, it's like go go share an Audible account with like somebody that you know or audiobooks have been really, really great for me given the current situation of things. It's like just feeding your brain good stuff, keeping your mind off of everything else that's going on. Um, so my spiff is audiobooks and go share with somebody else. Go go share what you can for the time that we're in right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, like Brett said, we were talking about it earlier on. And I think we have actually talked about uh, Ready Player One on here before. And we have. It's, it is fucking great. I mean, I it's we, we were saying just now, like, it's my... Uh, if I don't have anything else to listen to, I will just go straight to that because... I know that it's good. Even if I start it halfway through, I'm I'm happy. I can listen to it. It's, it's fucking ace. Well, we're spiffing and... audiobooks and not that one specifically. <laughs> or the spiffing the idea of sharing your media with your yeah. with your people. Well, Will, I... Will Wheaton is the same age as The Rock, and that makes me sad. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, well, what I was gonna kind of segue into nicely is the fact that the first that was the first audiobook I ever had because Jim from Wave Cycles shared it and gave it to me for free. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, but you both ruined it by telling me that Will Wheaton's the same age as The Rock, and now my life is in pieces. Shit. Piss off. All right. Any other business? Exactly. Any other business from either of you? No, yeah, not so for me. I, I missed out on another invention. Um, it was a classic story in my life, um, and that is that the professional World Professional Darts Championship could be played remotely. Uh, and they did. <laughs> they actually did last week. So amazing. Uh, One hundred and twenty greatest champions of all time played each other remotely with like a digital dartboard from their living room. <laughs> it's fucking classic. So if you amazing. are bored and want to spend five minutes, uh, just look up the the, the uh, Raymond Van Barnegelt against uh, Philip Power Taylor playing darts, playing each other at darts via iPhone. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Because <laughs> it's just like you don't need to you don't need to be in the same room as someone yeah. to play darts. I thought it's, it's really clever. It's like uh real sports meets esports and exactly it's beautiful. Uh I have a, a very quick AOB as well. Uh and that is if you're anything like me and really enjoy tiny house builds, then go check out Laura's uh Laura Camps latest um video she is going to be building yet another tiny house this time in a horse box and i fucking love laura's videos and i really like it when she does these kind of projects 
um i'm very much looking forward to seeing what she does with this so yeah go go check that one out although if you listen to this you probably already follow us so this is yeah. kind of pointless uh yeah um i think that's it so if you want to find us you can find us in all the usual social media places you can find me at moonshine metalworks you can find brett at skull and spade 13 and you can find al at al's hack shack exactly uh if you want to find us as a group google fools with tools because google google has all the answers um uh but yeah it, this has been a, a fun episode i hope you all have enjoyed it as much as we have al you're still muted so i can see your lips moving but i can't hear you that's you, fine just go play final fantasy 7 remake oh yes. my god or yeah, talk about dystopian futures <laughs> or if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum do what i did and download two point hospital and play theme hospital <laughs> 2 that's all it is and it's fucking ace uh yeah, whatever you do, just enjoy it. Smile, spend time with loved ones, be good, be nice, behave. We love you. <laughs>